is the Mahabharata Podcast, Episode 73, Killing Jayadratha. Last time, we began, but did not finish, Day 14 of the Great War. So far, I've tried with some success to compress at least one full day of battle into each episode, but there was just too much going on on the 14th day for me to do that. As you'll see later, this is justified in part by the fact that Day 14 was indeed an exceptionally long day. I also had a good excuse for ending halfway through the day, because our author gave us an ancient cliffhanger right in the middle of the day's action. We see Arjun and Krishna head off alone into the distant edge of the enemy's territory, and Yudhishthira becomes progressively more worried about his brother's condition. As they rode off to war that morning, they observed omens of great deeds and great tragedy, but no one could say for sure which side would suffer this tragedy. So, as the day wore on, Yudhishthira's doubts and worries grew to a fever pitch. When he heard first the conches of Krishna and Arjun from across the field, and then heard only Krishna's conch, sounding alone, he lost his nerve. Worried about the well-being of his brother, Yudhishthira ordered his best pinch hitter, Setyaki, to search for and rescue his kinsmen. Setyaki crashed through the enemy lines and began making the long slog across the battlefield. Unfortunately for Yudhishthira, all he could see was his cousin getting swallowed up by the mass of enemy fighters. So after a while, he began to second-guess his decision to send Setyaki off like that alone. Plagued by doubts, the king decided to send Beam after both Setyaki and Arjun, and for him to holler when he finds them. Thus, we left off with Yudhishthira having sent away his three most powerful protectors, and now very vulnerable to attack, and we still do not know the fate of Arjun, Krishna, or Setyaki. Fortunately, Sanjay has divine sight, so he is able to fill us in at least on what Setyaki was able to accomplish up to that point. Krishna's cousin was indeed quite busy. Satyaki broke past Drona relatively easily and found himself confronting Duryodhana in his magic armor. The pair fought for a while, but Satyaki used a similar trick as had Arjun. Discovering he could not harm the Karva directly, he killed his horses and driver and honor guard and destroyed his chariot, forcing the prince to flee the battle. From there, he fought Drona, but Drona was still interested in capturing Yudhishthira, so he didn't stick around to fight long. Following this, Satyaki killed the prince of the Kambojas named Sudakshana and then vanquished the Kamboja army, and then he went on to vanquish the Yavana army. This is as far as he got when Yudhishthira decided to send in Bhima to find him. Naturally, Bhima was reluctant to leave his brother unprotected, but when Yudhishthira told him that he'd heard Krishna blowing his horn urgently, it was enough for the impulsive Pandava. When Bhima charged the car of a line with the purpose of breaking through, Drona was there to stop him. To get his attention, he struck Bhima with an arrow in the forehead. Drona had expected Bhima to have shown him the same courtesy as Arjun had before, so he's annoyed at Bhima's belligerence. He called out, You shall not pass without first vanquishing me. Arjun and Krishna got through only because I gave them permission, but you can just forget about it. Bhima replied, Arjun goes where he pleases and does not wait on permission from anyone. You may have been our guru, and we always showed you due respect. But now you no longer behave as our guru, but rather as our enemy, and so I shall treat you as our enemy. With that, he lobbed his mace at the Brahmin, forcing old Drona to jump out of the way as it smashed his chariot to pieces. Beam then exploded with violence, killing thousands of his enemies as he penetrated their lines. While Setyaki had been forced to fight his way through, Beam had so terrified and demoralized his foes that they mostly just got out of his way. It wasn't long before he caught up with Setyaki, and not long after that, the pair of them joined up with Krishna and Arjun, who were both quite alright and still in the fight. As promised, Bhim let out a powerful yell of joy when he caught sight of his brother Arjun. 
The sound made its way unmistakably to Yudhishthira's ears, and the whole Pandava army blew their horns in delight. Duryodhana did not fail to notice that now he had the combined force of Arjun, Bhima, and Satyaki, all intent on killing Jayadratha. This turn of events changed the whole strategy for the day. The Karva rode over to Drona to complain. He said, Arjun is about to track down Jayadratha, and now he has reinforcements. I keep hearing complaints among the rank and file that you let all three of these warriors get past you in succession. It seems that I am fated to never catch a lucky break in this battle. But what's done is done, and now we need to deal with it. What do you suggest we do next? Drona couldn't help making a slight jab back at his master. He said, You seem to have had pretty good luck at the dice game, but now that the dice are arrows and the stake is King Jayadratha, your luck is running out. While we have three enemy chariots in our rear, we still have thousands more at our front, so I shall stay here to fend them off while you take reinforcements to protect Jayadratha at all costs. The outcome of this battle depends on it. Karna was among the reinforcements to go after the three in the rear, so soon he and Bhima were facing off man to man. An epic battle ensued as the pair battered each other to pulp. Ultimately, and to Duryodhana's surprise, Bhim got the upper hand and managed to knock Karna from his chariot. Shocked and worried about his friend, Duryodhana sent his brother Durjaya to protect Karna. Durjaya went eagerly to confront his cousin, but this was a huge mistake. Sending his brother against Beam was like sending him a Christmas present. Beam happily killed one more Dhatarastra. By then, Karna had a fresh chariot and was back in the fight, but once again, he was dismounted by his foe. This time, Duryodhana sent off another brother, Durmukha, to bring Karna a fresh ride. But Beam wasn't someone to let go such an opportunity, so while Karna got his new car, Beam got a new victim. Karna's eyes nearly popped out in frustration, anger, and guilt but already he was struck by Bhima's arrows, some of which cut right through his body and hit the earth on the other side. Karna returned the favor, cutting Bhima up badly, but ultimately it was Karna who could not stand the heat, and while Bhima bled profusely, Karna was forced to flee the battle. Bhima held his ground. For some reason, Duryodhana sent five more brothers to cover for Karna, and then six more after that. Bhima gladly received them and sent them each off to the underworld. Each time Duryodhana lost more brothers, Karna felt compelled to return to the fight to avenge their deaths, but this only continued the cycle. As Karna was again hard-pressed, Duryodhana perversely sent another seven brothers out to help. Among these seven was none other than Vikarna, the one Karva brother who spoke out against the dice game. But Bhim had sworn an oath, and the opportunity was too good to pass up. He killed all seven of these Dhartarastras. Nevertheless, Beam grieved bitterly over this cousin's fate. He said, It is only because of my vow that Vikarna has been slain. I know that he only fought against us because it was his dharma to do so, but that he had always had our interests at heart. As for Arjun, he saw all of this activity, and it only made him more worried. If all their best fighters were here, then who was protecting Yudhishthira? Besides, having more allies meant having to protect them instead of going after his quarry. While he couldn't tell how Yudhishthira was doing, it became clear that Satyaki might need some help. Krishna's fighting cousin had gotten himself into a harsh duel with the king Burushravas. The author treats this king with much respect and compliments him for his generosity to Brahmins. He must also have been quite a fighter because he proved quite a match for Satyaki. At this point, he even got the upper hand. It seems that they charged at each other like in a medieval joust, and Satyaki was knocked right off his chariot. Burdhishravas jumped down, grabbed the Vrishni by his long hair, unsheathed his sword, and was about to cut Satyaki's head from his shoulders. 
Krishna brought this to Arjun's attention in the nick of time. At first, Arjun thought little of it. He was impressed at the king's prowess, and this was war after all. But then he considered that it was Krishna who asked for his help, so he fired off a single arrow. This razor-sharp bolt cut right through King Burushrava's sword arm, severing it at the shoulder. This did not kill him, however. In fact, it only seemed to annoy him. Releasing Satyaki with his remaining arm, Burushravas angrily walked up to Arjun and scolded him. He said, What the hell, man? I wasn't fighting with you. I didn't even see you, but you just cut my arm off. That's not fair. Who taught you to fight like this? Aren't you ashamed? Arjun replied haughtily, I think your brain's gone soft with age, old man. I know perfectly well the dharma of war. This is no tournament. We all fight alongside our friends and kinsmen and you were about to kill my own student, friend, and cousin. Had I stood there and let you kill him and not interfered, that would have been a real sin. On the contrary, you waited until Setyaki was weak from his exertions, and then attacked him while you were well rested. You just wanted his head as a trophy. Really, you should rebuke yourself for not paying attention and letting me cut your arm off. Besides, what would you have done had it been your friend who was in danger? Old King Burushravas was not mollified, but he was dying so the time for arguments was over. Still grumbling, he laid out a bed of arrows with his good arm, retrieved his second arm, and prepared to meet death. Krishna then blessed the old king, saying, You are famous for your constant sacrifices, so go now to the pure regions. May you be born there on Garuda's back. As they watched the old man dying, the Karvas all grumbled at the unfairness of it. Ignoring all of them, Satyaki drew his own sword and lopped off Burushravas's head. This made the grumblers even more unhappy, but the philosophical among them were not so sure how to judge this. They said, All that has happened was clearly preordained, so there's no point in getting angry or casting blame. It is anger that caused all of these problems in the first place. Satyaki was annoyed at all these judgmental Karavas scowling at him. He said, You guys have no right to complain about this. Where were you when Arjun's child was ambushed? Besides, Burushravas kicked me and I swore an oath that if anyone touches me with their feet in anger, that I would kill them, so really I had to do it. The sun was nearly setting, so Arjun really had to get back to business. Unfortunately, by now, Karna, Ashvataman, Duryodhana, Shalya, and Kripa had all joined together to stop him. Like a relentless tag team, the Karvas took turns harassing Arjun, playing for time as the sun raced to the western horizon. Growing impatient, Arjun started letting off magical warheads left and right, killing all but the strongest fighters around him. Finally, as the sun's disk touched the horizon, he laid eyes on his objective, Jayadratha. Ignoring all else, Arjun shot the King of Sindh with 64 arrows, but he didn't die. It only made him mad. Jayadratha charged furiously at Arjun and the two traded blows, while the rest of the Kauravas tried to distract him. Krishna shouted over to Arjun, saying, it's too late, you don't have time for this, but I've got something that will help out. Krishna then drew on his yogic powers and magically darkened the sky and blocked the sun. The Karavas could barely believe their luck. They made it. The day was over and Jayadratha was still alive. They all stopped fighting and began to cheer. Krishna said, quickly now, cut that head off and make good your vow. Arjun took aim about to fire when Krishna interrupted him. He said, oh yeah, wait a second. It turns out that before Jayadratha was born, his father had been told that the boy would one day be beheaded in battle. To protect his son, the king became an ascetic and used his powers to curse anyone who beheads Jayadratha.
The king said, Whoever lets the head of Jayadratha touch the earth shall have his own head explode like a melon. Krishna said, So just keep that in mind. Nodding, Arjun whispered various mantras to his arrow and sent it flying. The arrow cut Jayadratha of Sin's head from his shoulders, but the head remained attached to the arrow. The arrow then gained elevation and carried its obscene cargo off beyond the battlefield and onto the borderlands of Sindh, where Jayadratha's father sat by a campfire, lost in meditation. The arrow flew overhead, dropping its payload on the old man as it went. The old guy was startled, saw what landed in his lap, and stood up quickly, dropping the head on the ground. As expected, Jayadratha's old father recognized the head on the ground, and then his own head exploded. The poet says, At the sight of this, all beings were filled with wonder, and all of them applauded Vasudev and the mighty Bibatsu. Only then did Krishna lift the blanket of darkness, and the Karvas realized they had been beaten. Triumphantly, Krishna let out a blast on his conch, followed by Arjuns and Bhimas. The sound carried across the field and reached the ears of their brother the king, and he and his army celebrated to the sound of drums and horns. Even though the sun had set, the Karvas were really worked up over having been fooled and having failed to protect the king of Sindh. So they forgot all the niceties of war and continued to attack, ignoring the darkness. They fought with a desperate madness. All their strategies and tactics had gone to pieces with Jayadrata's head. So now they just went at it, with no other objective than to kill or be killed. The night time, of course, is the best time for Rakshasas. So Bhima's son, Gatukkacha, was in his element. He and his son, Anjaparvan, led a group of Rakshasas to fight against Drona and his son Ashvataman. It turns out that Ashvataman was no slouch when it came to fighting magic with magic. After a tremendous fight, Drona's son killed Gatokacha's son. As soon as Anjaparvan died, his father came racing over to get revenge. But Ashvataman demurred. He said it wasn't proper for a father to fight the man who killed his son. There was a war going on, so there wasn't much time for explanations. And besides, Gatokacha was not going to be reasoned with. Beam's half-Rakshasa son used all sorts of wizardry against his foe, but Drona's son was able to counter all of his magic and illusions. Gatokacha's Rakshasa allies all joined in the fight, but still Ashvataman held his ground against all of them. Drona's son held them all back and then began killing the Rakshasas one by one. When Gatokacha's allies were all dead, Ashvataman went after him. Fixing a single fierce and straight arrow to his bow, he fired, sending it straight through Gatokacha's chest. Beam's son fell lifeless to the ground. Assuming him dead, Dristadyumna swept by and carried Beam's son from the field. Drona and his son continued their assault, still using magic weapons against all comers. It turned out that Yudhishthira knew a few tricks of his own and each of Drona's magical attacks was repulsed by an equally powerful countermeasure from Yudhishthira. That's all for now. Day 14 has really run out of control. We made it well into the nighttime, but the action has not let up one bit. There's definitely another episode's worth of activity still to come as the night sets in. For one, we still need to find out the fate of Gatokacha, but I'll give you a hint, he's not dead yet. Thanks for listening. <laughs>